Learning Objective 4 will examine the application of the strategy of income shifting, and we're going to describe its limitations. The income shifting strategy exploits the differences in tax rates across taxpayers as well as across varying taxing jurisdictions. Three of the most common examples of income shifting are, first, from high tax rate parents shifting income to low tax rate children, two, businesses shifting income from the business entity to their owners, and three, taxpayers shifting income from high tax jurisdictions to low tax jurisdictions. The assignment of income doctrine requires income to be taxed to the taxpayer who actually earns it, and this acts as a major limitation on the strategy. In addition, the IRS closely monitors related party transactions, that is, financial activities among family members or among owners and their businesses or businesses owned by the same owners. And then implicit taxes may also limit the benefits of income shifting via locating in tax-advantaged jurisdictions. Let's illustrate this with problem 45 from the textbook. Problem 45 illustrates the tax savings from proper intrafamily planning in the family business. Let's consider the case of Tawana, who wishes to minimize the after-tax cost of providing $8,000 annually for the college education of her son. Now, Tawana wants to hire her collared son, Pepe, as the pizza delivery driver. And she wants to be able to contribute $8,000 after tax for his education. So we're asked, at what point would it make sense to hire Pepe, assuming his marginal tax rate is 15%? Well, the first step is to determine how much the parent needs to gross to be able to spend $8,000 in after-tax income for the son's college education. So after-tax income will equal pre-tax income times one less the marginal rate of our taxpayer, which we've assumed to be 40%. So $8,000 equals pre-tax income times 0.6, or pre-tax income of 13,333 yields $8,000 after tax. The next step is to determine how much the son needs to gross from the parent's business to be able to spend $8,000 in after-tax income for his college education. So we use the same formula again. After-tax income equals pre-tax income times one less his marginal rate, which we're told to be 15%. So we have $8,000 equaling pre-tax income times one less 0.15, or 92,412 yields after-tax income of $8,000 for Pepe. So what is the, the net result of all of this? Well, the pre-tax savings to the parent is $3,921. The difference between 13,333, she would need to gross to contribute 8,000 after tax versus the 9,412 that Pepe would need to gross to be able to accumulate 8,000 after tax. So the after tax savings to the parent will have to be reduced by 
the 3,921 less one minus her marginal tax rate of 40%. So the net savings will be $2,353. That's a rather substantial percentage savings to net $8,000. This concludes Learning Objective 4. Learning Objective 4 will examine the application of the strategy of income shifting, and we're going to describe its limitations. The income shifting strategy exploits the differences in tax rates across taxpayers as well as across varying taxing jurisdictions. Three of the most common examples of income shifting are First, from high tax rate parents, shifting income to low tax rate children. Two, businesses shifting income from the business entity to their owners. And three, taxpayers shifting income from high tax jurisdictions to low tax jurisdictions. The assignment of income doctrine requires income to be taxed to the taxpayer who actually earns it. And this acts as a major limitation on the strategy. In addition, the IRS closely monitors related party transactions, that is, financial activities among family members or among owners and their businesses or businesses owned by the same owners. And then implicit taxes may also limit the benefits of income shifting via locating in tax-advantaged jurisdictions. Let's illustrate this with problem 45 from the textbook. Problem 45 illustrates the tax savings from proper intrafamily planning in the family business. Let's consider the case of Tawana, who wishes to minimize the after-tax cost of providing $8,000 annually for the college education of her son. Now, Tawana wants to hire her college son, Pepe, as the pizza delivery driver and she wants to be able to contribute $8,000 after tax for his education. So we're asked, at what point would it make sense to hire Pepe, assuming his marginal tax rate is 15%? Well, the first step is to determine how much the parent needs to gross to be able to spend $8,000 in after-tax income for the son's college education. So after-tax income will equal pre-tax income times one less the marginal rate of our taxpayer, which we've assumed to be 40%. So $8,000 equals pre-tax income times 0.6, or pre-tax income of 13,333 yields $8,000 after tax. The next step is to determine how much the son needs to gross from the parent's business to be able to spend $8,000 in after-tax income for his college education. So we use the same formula again. After-tax income equals pre-tax income times one less his marginal rate, which we're told to be 15%. So we have $8,000 equaling pre-tax income times one less 0.15, or 92,412 yields after-tax income of $8,000 for Pepe. So what is the, the net result of all of this? Well, the pre-tax savings to the parent 
is $3,921. The difference between $13,333, she would need to gross to contribute $8,000 after tax, versus the $9,412 that Pepe would need to gross to be able to accumulate $8,000 after tax. So the after-tax savings to the parent will have to be reduced by the 3921 less 1 minus her marginal tax rate of 40%. So the net savings will be $2,353. That's a rather substantial percentage savings to net $8,000. This concludes Learning Objective 4.